for Colby because I usually don't have a mustache, but because I've known Colby for so long, I said, I will honor you, sir. And frankly, I'm going to be honest, this is stupid. <laughs> Are you getting the close-up? Okay. Colby, if you're watching, stupid. No, I love Colby. And uh, um, uh, Miss Ireland, could you raise your hand? What high school did you go to? I went to Eagle Crest. We hate each other. <laughs> we, we went to rival schools in Denver. Yeah, well, you know, because it's usually we were the worst football teams to play each other. So we played to see who was not the worst. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, again, my name's Josh. Uh, some of you know me. I've worked with some of you. Uh, and it's good to be back. I don't know when it was the last time I preached here. What was that, four years ago? Some faces are... Very familiar, sir. You're still lifting weights, I see. You still have that white room outside your house? Man. Uh, uh, there's some other familiar faces, but I usually don't have this mustache, so I don't want to make you feel comfortable. I would wear jeans or denim, but I hate denim, too. And I just can't put myself to wear that. My dad forced me to in my senior pictures. Oh, horrible. Nightmares. Still have nightmares. So... Uh, why I'm going to see these are we're going to have some pictures showing, uh, but the verse they read was Proverbs 24, 11, 12. It says, "Rescue those that are in trouble. Hold back those who are being led to death." But if you say you knew nothing of this, does God, who knows your mind or your heart, sorry, perceive it? Does He not know your mind? Control it. Now that was a Josh version. So if you read that, you're going to be like, that was not right. But the point of that scripture was ignorance is no longer okay for us. Does that make sense? We know there's a lot of messed up stuff in this world, right? I mean, you saw me playing drums. You're like, what the heck? You thought I was Colby, didn't you? <laughs> uh, I just went up there and said, hey, I don't see a drummer. Can I play drums? I played drums. Um, so thank you for letting me play drums. Uh, it was fun. I haven't played in a while. And if it was offbeat, it's all my fault. If it's loud, it's all my fault. But that scripture, it's ignorance is not okay. We can't say, we didn't know anything about this. The scripture says, if you say you didn't know anything about it, God knows you and knows you should have known it. And he says, you will be repaid for what you have done. Now, what does that mean to you? Because what it means to me is we can't just sit back and ignore things and say, that's not my problem. We can't sit back and just let the world crumble and be like, that's not my problem. We can't say, I didn't know about this. I didn't know this stuff was happening. Uh, I've been in church for, gosh, how long have we been in ministry, baby? 20 years? We're, we're old now, gosh. Uh, we got married like when we were 20 or something. Her dad threatened me and... We're old. We've been in ministry for a long time, and I have seen some bad stuff. I've seen pastors leave for another woman. I've seen pastors embezzle money. I've seen the weirdest stuff you've ever seen. I've seen ministries fall apart, suicide, all in churches. And a lot of it's because we didn't know what happened because we wanted to be ignorant to the fact of things that were going on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? Do you guys keep Colby in check? 
Colby, are you in check? Do you check on him? Do you meet with him? Do you ask the hard questions? Hey, buddy, how are you doing today? Are you struggling with anything? Because a lot of times when we ignore that and we play the I'm ignorant card and then someone goes down here, you're like, like the, the latest great person who I used to admire more than anyone was Rabbi Zacharias. You don't know who that was. He was probably the greatest apologetics of the 21st century. He's dead, but it came out that some bad stuff happened. You guys read about it, heard about it? Like his whole ministry has disintegrated because of what he was doing. No one is above anything. Amen? We can't be above God. We can't be above anything. I read every book, and I don't like to read. I read every one of his books. And when it came out, all this bad stuff about him, I sit back and I always say this. I'm shocked, but I'm not surprised. You know why? Because I'm human. I've done some dirty stuff. My mind is corrupted with some bad stuff. But without Christ, we're just going to fall apart. Amen? So, I'm going to fly through this. Or I could be like Colby and we can make this a two-hour sermon. Isn't that what he does? I'm not sure. Uh, I love Colby. We talk every now and then. We don't get to see each other much. But I, I love you because I did this. And I usually don't have a mustache. It's usually a big beard. with no. I look Amish, if anything. So... Um, you guys, I really worked hard to be here, just facially. But I want to talk about, first off, I'm going to do a disclaimer, because some of the stuff our ministry does, like, I was very encouraged with you master plan people. High five, air high fives. All around, I know, it's awkward, I do it all the time. It's encouraging to see that we work on the same campus, right? And we can be unified, like, you guys are doing Lord's Supper. How often do you do Lord's Supper? Every other week I heard? Well, there's churches who say you should do it every week. And then I grew up in a church where you did it like once every four months. And then there's some churches that say it's the most important thing is the church. And then you go to this group and the most important thing is your traditions. And you go to this thing, the most important things are the gifts you are given. And then you go to another thing, the most important thing is the Bible. And that separate, that's what, what's that church over there called? What is it? How they think. I can't, huh? How they think. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just draw the line there. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> I messed up. I'm just going to move on from that one. But I got a disclaimer <laughs> from uh, that because uh, we need to be unified in everything we do. We, 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 we all do things different, just like master plan and challenge. And then we have... Um, I'm sorry, do I need to be close to the mic? Uh, sorry, I do. Maybe I can just pick this up and walk around. Uh, I, we do things different. We have InterVarsity who focuses on Native Americans. We have Rooted, which is the Methodist group. Now we have another group called Reach, which is out of First B uh, in Durango. We have the Newman Club, which are the Catholics. Uh, we're pretty crowded. Wouldn't you say we're kind of crowded ministry-wise? I mean, our campus was 2,000 people this year. My high school was bigger than that. Crowded, but we're all doing different things. We do it differently. We need to be unified, amen? Now, if that church, is there another, is there not a Mormon church close by here? What? 
All right, what is that? Non-denom? Okay, well, you know, gifts people, right? More mellow, but they're like, we're really into the gifts. That's what we want. Uh, my mother was raised charismatic. My father is Baptist. So I'd go to my grandma's church. Woo! You can't talk bad about Benny Hinn. That, door, that man is anointed. My grandma slapped me in the side of the head when I said something about Benny Hinn. Um, you know who Benny Hinn is? Okay, my grandma's like, you hoot and holler. That's what you do. My dad is pastor, doctorate. It's about the Bible. It's about the studying. But we need to be unified. Our ministries are unified. We do things differently, but we need to be unified. Amen? Our theology, our love for theology should never surpass our love for people. Do you agree with that? I love master plan. I always call them connect. And people are like, who? I say connect. That's what they are on campus. I love intervarsity. We do things differently. And I'm going to just tell you for a little bit as you just watch some of these pictures. Just some things that we do. Um, and, you know, I may have preached this four years ago. I don't know. Um, my health is awful. I don't know how long I'll be on this earth. I've had a couple of strokes. Uh, I just had to be flown to Denver because I had an aneurysm and I was bleeding out. Uh, lost almost a quart of my blood and had to get two blood transfusions and a plasma transfusion. Yeah, awful. I would not recommend it, by the way. Um, <laughs> they shove these rhino rockets up your nose. There's these balloons, and they go up your sinuses, and then they pump them. And every sinus you have is on fire. My teeth were hurting, my, and the blood started coming out of my eye and my ears. And I was like, Lord, take me. Uh, I don't want to be here anymore. So I'm a little off the wall. My mind is not what it was. Uh, my memory is horrible. I can't remember a lot of things. Uh, my kids like to play jokes on me. Yeah. So I'm going to give this disclaimer. I'm going to get going. I've been talking way too much. Um, because some of the topics, and I'm going to, I judge things by the crowd. So there's some words I say that some people find like, hey, I've had parents say, hey, thanks for saying that. Now i got to explain that to my child. So I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm giving you the G version, rated G, like cartoon. We're in Disney today. So, good seeing all the kids, by the way. But listen to this. This was a statement. It said, the Bible is not a book for the faint of heart. It is a book full of obsessive greed, glorious violence, insatiable lust, grievous murders, habitual lying, and betrayal. This befits what mankind is. It is not a collection of pretty little antidotes mouthed by pious little church mice. It is not the... It is not nibbling at our ears, making us warm and fuzzy inside, but cuts to the heart and spirit and splits the marrow of our bones. Whew. If you don't know what marrow is, it's what's inside your bones. FYI, children, don't break your arms. It does not always give us answers fitted to our small-minded questions, but brings truth that goes beyond what even we know what to ask for. Now, is that deep? Because things we talk about, and I get parents to say, we can't talk about that stuff. I'm like, then you can't read the Bible with your children. I remember being a kid, and my mom would lead, and we'd talk about David and Goliath, and oh, David cut off his head, and we're like, yay! 
We make it sound like it's a cool, fun thing. That's brutal. Yeah, you know? You know, just a hundred years ago, we used to go to church, and then we'd go out to the square and watch people get hanged. What do we think about that? Fun. So the disclaimer is, the Bible is full of what we are. Amen? It is full of treachery. It is full of bad things because it has people. And once we fell, bad things happen. Everyone in here has done something bad that deserves us to go to hell. Yes? So, now that you're all happy and we're on a high note, there is a God that loves us and wants to save us. And our ministry... Uh, we don't do worship. We don't do like your typical training. Uh, we specifically go after non-Christian kids. Specifically. Um, you've had our, we went to your camp a few times and we had a rowdy group of kids. And we had to warn you. Some of these kids are insane. Uh, just this year I had a kid that was not bipolar but he was schizophrenic. Who liked to use acid. The drug. I would not tell him where I lived. I would not have him be part of our group because that kid was crazy. Because we live in a broken world. So yeah, we, we didn't bring that kid to your camp, by the way, just FYI. <laughs> so the point of what I do is we need to be very, very careful for how we act because of this. Talk is cheap, amen? Politicians can talk whatever they want, but we know they lie. We can talk, and we know we can lie. We can say one thing and do another. So talk is cheap. In the book of James, I'll let you go, James chapter 2, 17 through 24. James 2, 17 through 24. It is in the same with faith. It doesn't cause us to do something. It's dead. But someone will say, you have faith. I do good deeds. Show me your faith that doesn't cause you to do good deeds. And I will show you faith by the good deeds I do. You believe there is one God. Well, good. Even the demons believe and they tremble. You foolish person, do you want proof that faith without good deeds is useless? Our father Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar. Wasn't he considered to be right with God because of what he did? So you see that what he believed and what he did were working together. What he did made his faith complete. That is what scripture means where it says Abraham believed God. God accepted Abraham because he believed, so his faith made him right with God. And, and now that, that story was also in Genesis fifteen six for those who take notes. And that's not all. God called Abraham his friend. So you see, that person is considered right with God by what they do. It doesn't happen only because they believe. You know, one of the things, when we get Bible Belt kids from Oklahoma... We have the hardest time to deprogram them. Because I love asking, are you a believer? Yeah. Tell me your testimony. Oh, I was born in church. Wah, wah. Really? Okay, so do you know Jesus Christ? Uh, sure, why not? I grew up in church. 
went to all the camps, grew up in the youth group. We call those church-cultured kids. And you got to kind of systematically break down those walls. And this year, we actually got to baptize a kid that was part of a cult. Uh, are you familiar in that cult on campus what are the, uh, from Korea? What are they called? The Church of God? Yeah. yeah one of these kids was involved um, where God is a woman. And it came from Korea, and they blitzkrieged Durango. And uh, he finally confessed that he was never a believer and gave his life to Christ this last or fall semester, right? We got to baptize him in the freezing river. Amen? And then just before the year ended, there's a fly, you, we had a big, big Oklahoma kid who forever said, I'm a Christian. But the way he lived, oh my goodness. He was an RA and he cussed like a sailor. I was like, buddy, and finally he broke down. He says, I'm, I'm not a Christian, Josh. I never took that step. And so this talk is cheap. Does that make sense? When we go out from here to the world, no matter how old we are or how young we are. See, my kids go to public schools and I always ask them to be good, to be something different, Right? Because it's messed up. They got some weird things. But what we do outside of church matters. Because there's not going to be a difference between what we do and what they do. They're not going to believe. Does anyone have Curiosity Stream? Anyone watch that? All right, look it up. Curiosity Stream, it's like a little Netflix, but it's about documentary. It's like 20 bucks for a year. And there's a thing about Christianity. This guy from Oxford, who is the professor at Oxford, England, and he has about, what, five hours worth of material where he follows the beginning of Christianity, today's Christianity. And he says at the end, I'm, no, I'm not a Christian. He says, I'm an ally of Christianity, but I'm not a Christian because of how Christians acted. He said, World War I, every army that killed each other thought God was on their side. World War II, Christians did not step up to stop things that were happening. And he said, that is why I am not a Christian. Because of those two things of history. He says, no one can kill Christians better than Christians. I tell the Native Americans we work with, I said, no one kills white mans better than white man. But they're all Christian nations. Isn't that weird? God's on our side, let's kill these people. They said, no, God's on our side, we're going to kill you. He says, why would I do that? Their talk is very cheap. Is this making sense? Sorry for the history lesson. I do love history. And then James, we're going to go back in James chapter 2, 14 through 16. Suppose a person claims to have faith but doesn't act on their faith. My brothers and sisters, can this kind of faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister has no clothes or food. Suppose one of you says to them, go, I hope everything turns out, uh, turns out fine for you. Keep warm, eat well, and suppose you do nothing about what they really need. Then what good have you done? I always put that with Christians and they say, God bless you. We'll be praying for you. You know, prayer is great, but the action I need would be really good too. Do we do that? Who's guilty of that? 
I'm not going to say raise your hand. We're like, we'll be praying for you. God bless you. If we don't do anything, when we see, that's that ignorance thing. When we see help, what do we need to do? Someone can say it. What do we need to do? Respond? Is that what you said? I like that. Who, what else? So someone says it back there. Act. We don't like to act sometimes. We're pretty cool being in here. We just like going to church, hearing a good sermon, having good worship, and go home and be a good person. So, like in our ministry, um, like I said, we, we reach towards, when we first got here, first off, uh, 10 years ago now, we're old. I think now we have seniority of the oldest people there in ministry-wise. It's really weird. We're old. Um, we went to Connect, or Master Plan, when Nate was there, and we said, hey, who are, you not reach- who are you not reaching so we can reach them? They told us, hey, we're not reaching this certain group. We went to InterVarsity. Rooted started when we got there. And so we decided we're going to try to reach those people no one else is going for. So we said, you know, the best way to reach students is how? Food. So we said, we have food. And it's free. And it's at our house. And we're going to have music playing. And we're going to have video games and, and whatever. And we used to have a photo booth where they could do really dumb photos together. And that's when it started. We reached out to them. One of the first students we had was a Navajo kid who struggled with um, LGBTQ stuff. And, you know, we talked. We met for years. And let me just say this real quick. When we do stuff with LGBTQ, we don't say, don't be gay. We say, follow Jesus. There's a huge difference. Do you understand that? We say, follow Jesus. And we got to this kid, and finally the walls broke down. He said, this stuff happened. Bad things happened in my life. This is probably why I feel messed up. And he came, and he was, good. He was getting so involved. And then he dropped out of school, because it's Fort Lewis, just FYI. Fort Lewis, no one stays at Fort Lewis. Am I right? Yeah, it's like, we go there, and they're done for like a semester. Um, but you know what happened? We don't win them all because eventually the world got back to them and, 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 and the, the, the sincerest, cleanest way I can say is now he's a woman and he's in the, he's in the drag scene. That's all I'll say in Durango. And they got a big one in Durango, by the way. Uh, we lost them. But he was there, we met with him, we gave him the time, he said, thank you for loving me. But then he dropped out and you can't meet with him, you know what I mean? But talk is cheap. If we don't reach out to those people, we can see those people and we can sit there and complain, because I know we're really good at complaining, amen? My goodness, we can complain. Heck, probably someone's complaining right now that I'm barefoot. They're going to probably tell me after I'm done. I'm barefoot because i got to play drums barefoot. Um, it's just a habit. Sorry. Uh, Hudson Taylor said this. Talking about the gospel is a double-edged sword. 
we can share its good news, but if not in tune with what our actions will do, it can do immeasurable damage. However, if our words and actions align with the gospel, this has the power to change nations. You know where the gospel is growing? Asia, Africa. You know where it's dying? Europe, America. Maybe it's because we feel we're enlightened, because we're in the enlightened movement. Um, this Generation Z is probably the most arrogant generation. Sorry, guys. Um, sorry. Because they're the Google generation. They're the first generation that was born when the smartphone was out. So when they get to college, they already think they know everything. But they don't know anything. Talk is cheap, isn't it? What actions have we done that have may have caused us something to lose something? Has this church accidentally ran someone off? We had the opportunity to be uh, part of the LGBT club Christian religious talk, which was interesting. Uh, that was the only time I was afraid because we had a girl in our group that was part of that lifestyle. And then she be my wife met with her. God set her free. We didn't beat her over the head and say, you stop looking like a man. We loved her. We told her, Jesus, follow Jesus. She eventually came to the conclusion, I can't have both worlds. She gave her testimony at PRISM, which is the LGBT club. I sweated bullets because I was afraid we were going to get run out and kicked off a of campus. Because number one enemy to that group of people are the people that say, I'm no longer that way. So when she shared her testimony, how God freed her, I was like, okay, there's the exit. Um, I will grab her and we will run. Nothing happened. You know what happened? People gave, hugged her and said, thank you for being honest about this. God is powerful, is he not? I was like, dude, that was the only time I was scared ever. That I was like, we're going to get kicked off campus. We're going to have a bad rap. Everyone's going to hate us. But because our talk wasn't cheap and that we showed interest in them and respected it, we got it. All right, I only have two more points. So the first point is what? Talk is cheap. Second point. Doubters and skeptics are watching us. 2 Timothy 4.2. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be ready to serve God in good times and bad. Correct people's mistakes. Warn them. Encourage them with words of hope. Be very patient as you do these things. Teach them carefully. 1 Peter 3.15 so there's also 1 Peter 3.15. But make sure that you, in your hearts, you honor Christ as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope you have. Be ready to give the reason for it. But do it gently and with respect. Colossians 4.5-6. 
Sorry, I'm going pretty fast here. Colossians 4, 5 through 6. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let the words you speak always be full of grace. Learn how to make your words what people want to hear. Then you will know how to answer everyone. We work with a lot of Japanese students. And it's an atheistic country. Supposedly it's the hardest, one of the hardest people groups. Um, Asia has the mindset of we just need to make a lot of money and have a good life. Um, that's basically what they do. They need good educations and no English. Uh, and most of them are atheists. Uh, we used to do English classes to draw them in. Uh, we'd bring a, a bunch to your camp. Japanese students, they never, you know, they never zip-lined or paintballed. It was nothing like shooting them in the head and the, in the leg when you weren't supposed to. By the way, sorry. I get it real aggressive. And I just kept shooting them, even when they were done. And it wasn't just the Japanese. It was almost any kid that was on the other team. Um, I have a lot of rest of development issues I've got to work through. But those scriptures were saying, people are watching us. The Japanese are watching us. We had one Japanese kid said, I'm an atheist. I'm going to come to your English class. Thank you, Google. You're my best friend. Okay, it's going to talk back, so I'm going to turn it down. Sorry. Your phone is not connected. My phone's not connected. Because my phone's not here. Sorry about that. They're watching us. And this, guy, this Japanese guy said, I'm an atheist. I don't want any part of your Christianity. But I'll take your English because I need to learn English. He got so involved with us. He lived with us for a while. He cried when he left, and he said, I said, are you still an atheist? What do you believe? He says, well, I'm to the point where I believe I'm like a canvas and someone's painting me. What does that metaphor sound like to you guys? Huh? Well, I know we're Southern Baptists, and, you know, we've got to have the, the prayers to make it official and those little cards they got to fill out. But what, is, what does that metaphor sound like? You guys can talk. Don't worry, I'm not... I'm not Colby. The mustache Colby. What? What 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 does that metaphor sound like? Huh? Yeah. Like, hey, there's something beyond me that has made me. Now he didn't say, I believe in Jesus Christ, my personal Lord and Savior, but he took that step. And then my wife goes to Tokyo and takes him to church. My wife's a stud, by the way. She went to Tokyo by herself to be with students we met with and took them to church. Tried to plug them into ministries that are there. Isn't it good to have a strong wife? Amen? Especially when they're hot. My wife is Choctaw native with bright blue eyes. Beat that. Sorry, children. <laughs> Every time I talk like that, they're like, that is mother. <laughs> See, they're like that again. The uh, great theologian Alice Cooper said this. If churches put as much 
into the community and people it claims it serves as it does its own buildings and sound systems, maybe this country would be in a different place towards Jesus. Now that is a slap in the face. Um, I have preached at churches that had multi, multi, multi-million dollar things that I'm like, this is a different world to me. Because my ministry doesn't have an office. My office is called my uh, lazy boy in my living room. And these churches would have hundreds of thousands of dollars of light systems. And you're just like, whoa, like, this is amazing. You had the whole band. And that's not bad. I'm not saying this stuff is bad. But people see where to see, seems like where does most of our focus go, you think? From an outside view, where do you think? Alice Cooper is right. By the way, you need to YouTube Alice Cooper and see his testimony. He's a Christian, by the way. Um, and also, he was a Southern Baptist pastor's kid. How funny. Yeah. Look it up. But we focus, if, if all we want to focus on is this stuff, and be the biggest, baddest thing we can be, the skeptics are going to look at us and say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you have these huge multi-dollar buildings. Way to go. What about the poor? What about this? What about that? Our ministry, you know, and I'm not dissing church at all. We need the church, amen? Because we are the church, by the way. I always say this. The problem with the church is the people. But the church is the people. You know that? Did you know that, Colby? Is he in Costa Rica or Puerto Rico? Or the Dominican Republic? Man, he's living it up. Um, I'm not a preacher. My gift is not this, if you can tell. Uh, Could you see me being your pastor every week? You guys probably would not come back. Um, There's a... Uh, <laughs> I am. I'm the guy who can get away with the little things because I'm not going to be here again. Uh, my gift is apostleship. You drop me in the middle of a place where there's no God, where Jesus is not there, I flourish. When we do our family dinners, we have music blaring, video games. You're amazed how many guys you can get just with video games. It's really weird. You're like, hey, pizza. And uh, we'll play some uh, Halo, Call of Duty. They're like, oh, cool, okay. Rocket League. Who said that? Raise your hand. You did? Yes, Rocket League. You got to find those connecting points. But when we have this group, and we're like, not very big. We're 15, 30. Our biggest was like 60 years ago. But, you know, we're stacked in a house. We feed them. We show them we love them. They try to find how they're being skeptic. They want to see our weakness. You know what I mean? They want you. Like, we are pushed. So there was this little, the only one of the few atheist kids just would just burn my chili. I'd want to beat him up. Because he would just come to our groups and start fights. Because he's like, I'm an atheist. God's stupid. And I shared the testimony, and he said, that's a pile of explicative, but I'll see you at Christian Challenge tonight. Okay, I guess that works. 
hated what we believed, but we loved him so much, he couldn't, even his skepticism could not penetrate what we were doing. And then one day, do you guys uh, know uh, the gospel church people? One day, Tom from the gospel church calls me, and we're like, I think at your parents at the time. He says, oh, hey, by the way, uh, this guy's getting baptized. He gave his life to Christ. I'm like, what? Because he's one of those kids, I'm like, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not like a predestined Calvinist guy. But I was like, this dude's like not going to get saved. <laughs> like, Colby, I know he wasn't elect. I just thought that. Even though I'm not Calvinist. And then they call and say, hey, this guy's saved. I'm like, what? I'm going to his baptism. And it was awesome. This kid who would tell me, explicit words to insult my beliefs but would come to everything we would do because we were the only ones who would show him that we cared about them. We didn't want to just preach at them. Because most of these kids we get never have been in church, don't know church, or they're for Native American and they're traditionalists. You get those group of kids, it's a whole different world then. You're, you're getting kids that come off the res. And that's a different, different type of ministry there. But you see, these skeptics want us. And he was pushing us so bad. And he told Tom, Tom said, I want you to know, he's saved because you guys loved him for three years. Three years. I I was writing that guy off. Three years of him just cursing at me, saying God's dumb. But he loved video games too, by the way. And pizza. The greatest cause of atheism in the world today are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. You know that? I've talked to more kids, maybe in the, a lot of an LGB club, that had more horrible experiences with Christians in church. They've been kicked out. They've been exiled, ostracized. And I'm thinking, I want to go to that church and I want to beat up that pastor. Because we call it a sin. Name one person in this room who's not a sinner. You know, if we had little screens on our head, a lot of men would have restraining orders. Because we are sick, aren't we, guys? It's almost like we came from dogs. Women, I don't know. I'm not a woman. You're very confusing. My wife, I 20 years of marriage, I'm like, what? What? Where do you want to eat? You're giving me that look. What's wrong? I don't understand. The men know, and the women are already glaring at me. You went to Smoky Hill. I already just have issues. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's so weird, though. Small world, yeah? Yeah, Smoky Hill. I almost went there, actually. We're all sinners, Amen. Not in a good way, but it's just the fact that we need to be honest. This man standing before you is human trash. 
Sir, you may be good looking and really in shape, but you are human trash. I've seen him work out. That dude is ripped. There was a time I was ripped, and now I'm just fat. We have history that deserves us to go to hell. But we have a God that gives us an opportunity that we don't deserve. And the students we get, we have dealt with bipolarness, schizophrenia, suicidal, addicted, mysticistic, atheistic, international differences. We've seen the darkest parts of the human body, of the human soul, and we've seen people come out of it with Christ. Our goal is not to be big. Um, my wife went to OU, sorry if you're Texans, uh, and her, her, her Christian challenge there is like a few hundred big. They just built a $7 million building. A $7 million building. $7 million. It's the Bible Belt, right? So it's a different world. We can't compare that. But they're expected to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Because that's how they think. We want to build this church. We need a lot of people. Our mindset is we just need a person who's interested in being with us. I don't know about you guys up there, but COVID whipped us pretty good. We had kids who just disappeared. Sometimes we'd have like three or four kids to show up. We're like, hi. You deal with stuff. This Generation Z group is a, is a group that needs a lot of help. It's confused. It has issues that... Well, let me just tell you this. Every generation hates the generation after them. Do you realize that? My grandfather was a World War II vet. Or he was in Pearl Harbor... Uh, Okinawa. My other one was oil rig guy, so he didn't have to fight. But he always dissed my dad because my dad was a hippie and didn't want to go to Vietnam. And my grandpa would tell my dad, I had to fight fascism, Nazism, Imperial Japan. You're just a hippie. And, you're, and that was the great movement, uh, women's rights, black rights. And then I'm born, and then my dad would tell me, you guys are just in your emo, grunge, punk stuff. You look weird. Stop looking weird. You know, when I was a kid, a lot of my friends, when they graduated, were drafted into Vietnam and didn't come back home. I'm like, well, sorry, Dad, I can't help winning how I was born. I'm sure if I was born during Grandpa, I'd be fighting Nazis too. And then my generation's like, you guys don't know anything. You're little flakes. You don't know how many times I've had to work on how I talk to people. Because I offended a lot of people at one time. I don't know if you guys get that. Because I can be pretty mouthy. Anyway, last point, And you guys can be free. All this stuff we do is because God commands us to do it. Command is... What's the word I always say? What is the command? It's a commitment. Me and my wife. Married people. There's days you guys don't like each other. Amen? 
Sometimes me and my wife were just like, Ugh. and I'm like, I hate you, but I love you. I'm out, but I love you. I need a little space. Yeah, I see people laughing. They're like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Any wives throw things at husbands yet? Mm, I'm looking at some older couples. My mom threw some plates at my dad once. That was pretty off fun. You threw a trash can at me once, wasn't it? Say what? Yeah. See what I'm saying? So I saw some people getting married up on the screen. Just remember that. That's a commitment. Our commitment to each other, husband and wife, is like our commitment to Christ. There's days we don't... With, I'm going to be honest. I struggle deeply with depression, anxiety, because of all my mental issues. My mind is not what it was. And you know what it's not? It's not a sin issue. It's a we live in a fallen world issue. I was born with health issues. There's days I lock myself in a room or the garage where it's dark. And I got to sit there and talk and fight with God. Any guys can relate to that? Any women? There's times when we have students over that want to kill themselves. We've got to hide the knives. We've got to hide anything that can do something damage to them. But does that mean we have to stop loving them? No. Last point, and you're free. God commands it. First, the command is this. John 13, 34, 35. I give you... I'll say it again. John 13, 34, 35. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. I'm going to use my L sign. Not loser, it's love. That you love one another. If you love one another, everyone will know that you are my disciple. If you what? Oh, this crowd is like really not involved here. Is, is it because, do you do it just like Colby? Colby, is this how your church is? I'm just joking. Huh? Oh, good. Me and Colby are very similar. He just doesn't have health issues. Um, I also know he's drinking the Kool-Aid of jujitsu. Does he talk about that a lot? Uh, I used to do jujitsu to how to stroke, and then they're like, get away. You, you're going to die. So, <laughs> in fact, my whole family used to do jujitsu. Um, but he's drinking the Kool-Aid, I see. But, hey, he's going to be dangerous now. Love, guys is a commandment, whether we choose and we feel like it. There's days when my depression, my anxiety, my brain is off kilter that I want to tell my family, shut up. I want to tell students, I don't want to meet with you right now. So we have the command, the definition, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 9. Well, what is love? Here's the biblical definition of love. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not want what it belongs to others. It does not brag, it is not proud, it does not dishonor other people. It does not look out for its own interest, it does not easily become angry, it does not keep track of other people's wrongs. Love is not happy with evil, but it is full of joy when the truth is spoken. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it never gives up. That is an impossible task. But that is what we are commanded to be like. Kind of like 
if you're an athlete or you're a job, because we're going to be imperfect, you're going to mess up, but you're always try- I'm always trying to be the best husband, but I'm never going to be the perfect husband. You're never going to be the perfect human, but you've got to command to keep trying. Amen? And it's a thing called love. It's as simple as that. Our theology can make things so confusing. I went to seminary, and then I quit going to seminary. Because it was so confusing. I'm not a smart guy. I'm a blue-collared guy. Uh, driving trucks and uh, worked in a welding shop. Felt more comfortable there. Um, but seminary was just not my jam. But there's the definition of love. That's a rough definition, amen? So the command, the definition, and two more things, and then we'll be closing. Here's the magnitude of it. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. The three most important things to have are faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of them is? Uh, I know this is a pretty big homeschool church, isn't it? Big families. You, you know, and I think that's pretty cool. And you love those kids, don't you? Do you love strangers as much as you love your children? Sometimes I will say yes. You guys can be pretty big butts. But I love you. (laughs) Can you love a stranger as much as you love your spouse? Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your hobbies, your interests, your comfort zone. When you guys are going to go out and share in Jesus downtown Durango, correct? You're going to be out of your comfort zone. And Durango is not easy. Awesome for you guys. Kudos to you guys. I've done it a couple times and uh, they told me to shut up. The magnitude. And here's the clincher. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And this is where our theology is the love of theology should never outlast the love of people. I'm not saying theology is bad, by the way. I'm a simplistic human being who likes to be put in crazy places. When I was a youth pastor in Denver, uh, I grew up in the metal scene. used to have the big holes in the ear. Um, I'm covered in tattoos. Uh, that's why I'm, you know, you, I'm scary. Like, in fact, one of the stories I have I was pulled over because I had a bad light here. This is the second time I got pulled over. And we were at the hot springs. And I forgot my shirt. And I'm a big guy. And I had a car full of Japanese girls. And they look like they're 12 or something, right? I get pulled over and the cops are like, huh, scary white guy with tattoos. And a car full of 12-year-old looking Japanese girls. Something's up here. Then they realize, hey, you have a warrant out for your arrest. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't pay a parking ticket in Del Norte. <laughs> I didn't even know I had one. I forgot about it. So the guy took my license, had me sit in the cop car just to run out here by the, this is the second time. I got pulled over three times on my way back to Durango because of a stupid taillight. I had no shirt on. I had a big beard. And they thought I was trafficking 
And that's my best memory of this town. And everything got, they made me get out of the car every time. And they'd look at the city's little Japanese girls. <laughs> like, I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. These are college kids. I'm not. Like, sure, have a seat in my car. I'm like, oh my gosh. We had to have a Japanese student drive me home. <laughs> and then I had to call my wife at one in the morning to come pick me up. And then I was going to go to jail. And then the judge just said, hey, just pay the fine, and you'll be good. I said, thank you. It worked out. But, hey, Bayfield, that's how I remember you. So, lastly, the theology, our love for theology has a limit that should not surpass our love for people. Suppose I speak in the, lang- oh, sorry. In the languages of humans or of angels, if I don't have love, I am only a loud gong and a noisy cymbal. Suppose the gift of prophecy. Suppose I can understand all secret things of God and know everything about him. And suppose I have enough faith to move mountains. If I don't have love, I am nothing at all. Suppose I give everything I have to the poor. And suppose I give myself over to difficult times so I can brag about it. If I don't have love, I am nothing. Love is the key, people. We can be... My dad's a doctor. He's an author. He's taught at like all the seminaries. Very smart guy. I'm a very not smart guy. My brother's not a very smart guy. My dad is a very smart guy. But even he says that's limited. So you have the command, the definition, the magnitude of it, and the clincher. Is no matter what we do with our families, with our spouses, with our jobs, with our ministries on campus, if we don't have what? It's pointless. It's pointless. Our ministry, at one time we had nine staff for a ministry of 30 people. That seems over big, doesn't it? But our bread and butter is one-on-one discipleship with these kids. And now we're down to three staff because it would stress out half our staff with the kids we'd meet with. But you know what? That's an honor, isn't it? To love these kids, because they need it. Because you know what? They're the future. I know we like to talk politics, but if we can't get this new generation, then we're just going to complain more. Me and my wife... Just like Master Plan, we raise our own support. 100%. I, don't have, I used to have another job because it's Durango. And everything's crazy expensive. And I know this church helps support us. I know they support Master Plan. Master Plan does exactly what we do. And outside we have a table with stuff. 
that will help if you're interested to let us continue to do what we do full time. Again, what is the mean of what we do? It's love. And let me tell you, the generations get weirder. And I'm a weird kid. I mean, you should have saw me when I had all the piercings and the weird hair. I once had my head shaved like this, but I grew out my side really long. And I really didn't realize that was a Jewish thing. <laughs> so in high school, people were like, oh, are you Jewish? I'm like, why are you saying this? Because you have, they call them Jew locks. I don't know if that's proper. Because, you know, they start curling, and I had wavy hair. And I had the weirdest hairstyles back then. But I met Jesus because there was people who invested in me, no matter how weird I was. And I used to scare people. I was the guy who would sit at Walmart, and a cop would come and have me check my car. You think I look weird now. You should, I, should, I should just bring pictures from high school. Yeah, I shouldn't. Last thing. It's funny, uh, I had a friend that had two-inch holes in his ears where he stuck pop, empty pop cans in his ear holes. Yeah, yeah you're like, oh, yeah, right. this is the crew I hung out with, this FYI. Jesus is good, amen? <laughs> and I lived in the basement. That was where my band was. Like, when I played drums, man, I'm on that double bass. I wanted to start, a but, it's, you know, you, you can't do that. In the worship saying that would be weird. But that's the kind of music I played. Uh, and we're all coming upstairs, and my dad was there. Remember, he's a doctor. Uh, have has anyone here heard of Max Barnett? He kind of started, him and a guy from Navigators started kind of a collegiate ministry movement in the 50s. And he was part of it. And there was a big guy named, I think, Rob White. Part of Na- These huge members of Navigators, the BCMs, and they're all at my house, right? And I have all my crazy friends. And we come up the door, and we open up just as they walk by, and I hear one of them say, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> See, I was always the outsider. When I was a youth pastor, we would do those metal ministries. We'd have like 300 crazy kids with bands screaming. And then I'd share the gospel between sets. My wife would pray. We'd have a little pray ta- pray- prayer table. You know what happened? I got fired. Pastor said, your methodologies are too weird, Josh. I said, dude, I'm weird. But it's working. But he, he fired me right on the spot. What are we doing to reach people? Because a weirdo like me was reached by a youth pastor, FYI. Someone reached me. Someone reached you. Who are you going to reach out to? So we have a table in the back. I thank you for your time. I went a little longer than I wanted. Just wanted to uh, be more like Colby. Uh, I think I had 30 more minutes if I wanted to be Colby, right? Love you, Colby. He said he said he was going to watch, but I'm not sure. You did zoom in on my mustache, right? As far as you could. Well, I appreciate that. So, uh, what do we do now? What you, uh, you want me to, dude, let me, you do your job, man. You do you. Okay. All right. Uh, well, first off, thank you for having me, guys. Uh, I know I'm kind of off the wall, but that's where I'm strength is with off the wall college kids. Uh, 
I am who I work with. I'm not the proper guy. Uh, Colby could preach circles around me and probably could choke me now because he's a higher belt than I am in jiu-jitsu. But if he choked me, he'd give me another stroke. Watch out. Uh, that's why I can't do it. Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity, for this great church. Lord, I pray that First Baptist Bayfield will reach out to the community. Lord, I pray that they will show love, even to the people that we feel don't deserve it. Lord, that we will reach out to these unreachable people. Lord, that we will show careness and that we, we, we want to put effort. Ask them to dinner. Cook dinner for them. Take them out. Lord, that we will befriend the community. There is a whole group of people in Bayfield that don't know you, that don't know the community of believers. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing us to just be in your grace. Thank you for saving us. And all God's people said, hey, thank you very much. And are we, you, are we playing? Are we playing again? Soon. Okay, I'm going to go sit down then.